Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Happy Skews Day to you. It is January 10th, 2023. Where does the time go? I'm Trey Crowder. I'm thrilled to be back alongside Mark Agee. What's up, Mark? What's up, Trey? Uh, you and I have spoken in the year 2023. We did the Patreon and we hung out and watched football Saturday night uh, to your chagrin. But uh, as yeah. far as the main show, it's the first time we talked in 2023. And welcome to the future, buddy. Um, yeah, glad to be here. It. It's not great, but, you know, still glad to be here, I guess. I had it's a bit a- for a while about how that was... Like I was so optimistic for the future, like not just for me personally, but for everything when I was a kid, like 2020 was like the future to me. And I thought we'd have all this cool shit and everything by then, you know, and just how much of a bummer uh, things have turned out to be. We've got some cool shit, but, you know, yeah. not enough and not as cool as I thought. We got a, we got Roombas and we got self-driving cars that spontaneously crash. And, uh, yeah. you know, they got a. Uh, uh, we did, my wife insisted we get, we were, we stayed at a friend's house and we we're in Florida and they had Alexa and she thought it was cool. So we got an Alexa. So I got one of those fucking cop devices in my house now recording everything I say. So there it is. I mean, it's nice to be able to, Hey, set a reminder. So I don't have to remember to walk my dog or whatever. <laughs> a brief uh, anecdote about Alexa. I hardly ever use mine, but I'll use it to play music. Sometimes yesterday I was uh, making lunch and I felt like listening to the national cause it's raining and I'm a white man, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I love the national, but anyway, uh, they got this song, uh, Corinne at the liquor store. And I was like, Alexa, play Corinne at the liquor store. Nothing. And I was like, Alexa, play Corinne at the liquor store. And then she said, playing Karen at the liquor store. And I got as pissed off as if someone, a person had corrected me on something <laughs> that I knew was correct about. You know what I mean? Like somebody ever corrects yeah. you when you know that you're not wrong. I got that mad, but at a robot, I literally was like, that's not right. They say it in the song just so you, as if she can hear me or cares or would respond. But yeah, anyway, that happened yeah. yesterday. I look forward to doing the same robots or our doctors. And they're like, no, I don't need, I don't need this <laughs> yeah. medicine. I fucking, I need a different, you're like, yeah, okay. Uh, well, speaking of living in the future and some news hit and some news not, I, I think this is good news. Katie Porter announced today she's going to run against Dianne Feinstein in the, in the Senate. She's going the Senate primary in 2024. We don't know if Dianne Feinstein is going right. to run. Uh, Surely Dianne, not, right? Dianne Stein is well documented to have pretty bad dementia. She should not be in the Senate currently, much less in four years when she'll be 90 fucking years old. But mm. everyone got mad at her. And this reminds me of like like the 2016 primary and people all thought that Bernie was like impertinent to run against Hillary. Right. And I, how do you feel yeah. about which one's a better candidate or whatever? My point is like it's a democracy and everybody gets to run and you make your case and we get the vote. Now, I think if she, if, if uh, Feinstein doesn't run, Adam Schiff is supposedly going to run. I imagine Feinstein will endorse Schiff because she's butthurt about Katie Porter doing this. But my thing is, like, I, I'm a California voter. I'll vote. It's fine. Whoever wants to run. Every every lunatic runs in California elections. I can actually vote for a saying congressman. And Katie Porter, I know <laughs> Matt was pointing out in the pre-show that um, there was a leaked text message uh, recently about – uh, maybe Porter being a shit boss to her staff or whatever. And he's like, he thinks it's the California Democratic machine uh, trying to smack her down. But anyway, she hits for Matt because she's from rural Iowa and she wrote her senior thesis on like, uh, you know, corporatization being bad for farming or so. I forgot what Matt told me. It's something like that. So yeah. she hits for Matt. So I, I look forward uh, to the campaign. Um, yeah, I just, I think like, it's like you said, so it seems like you think it's a deal where like comparing it to the 2016 election, like Adam Schiff is the Hillary and I think Katie Porter's being the Bernie, like the establishment. It's like, no, it's supposed to be his turn. He's earned it. You wait your turn. Mm -hmm. It's not how things work around here. Also, you're too progressive for us or whatever. So that's why they're pissed. Cause it it cannot be that they're pissed about 
the Feinstein part, I wouldn't think, given that she's going to be 90 years old. But the shift part kind of makes sense to me. I think it's dumb, but I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen them do stuff like that before, as you pointed out. So I buy it. Who knows? You never figure out what these people are up to or how they think. But it, anyway, it, if you can't win, if you can't beat her in an election, then just then eat shit. I don't know what to say. <laughs> right. Make your case and we'll vote. Um, some wild shit happened in Brazil. And this does connect mm-hmm. to American politics because Steve Bannon and an American congressman are involved. But uh, yeah, they, they had their own January 6th uh, over the weekend. Uh, it was both bigger and worse and better planned and had a better chance of succeeding except for the fact that the government is actually prepared to deal with this shit, unlike ours. But I want to show this video, if Matt has it, um, if you wouldn't get a vibe for how fucking uh, uh, big this was. Yeah. All right, go ahead, Matt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you... You know, you just convert all that green and yellow to red, white, and blue, and it's uh, mm-hmm. you know very, uh, very familiar scene. I mean, it is anyway, but you know what I'm saying. But I, so, wasn't it? Was it on the eighth? Is that when they did it? Two two days ago? Is that right? Or was it the seventh? When was? It? Sounds right. It was over the weekend, Saturday or Sunday. I forget exactly. But not yeah. not the actual sixth, right? Right, right. But like, the, is there a reason for that? It seems like an odd choice to me to do it so close to the anniversary. But not like on the yeah. Dot. <laughs> it also Lula was sworn in a couple of days before the new president, a new president slash former president, and like Brazilian politics is crazy. Lula was literally in prison until like a year or two ago. He made sort of a trumped up thing called the car wash. It, it doesn't matter, whatever. Uh, he, but he's not Lula's an actual left winger. Um, Tucker has been a shit bag. He called the Brazilian election rigged. So did Elon. Uh, an American congressman I mentioned before, I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now, but he's now the chairman of, the, of a committee in the new house. He flew to Brazil in the last month or two to help them plan this. Steve Bannon helped plan it. This was a huge operation. They shut down freeways. And the funny part was they took over Congress, Supreme Court, um, all that shit. And then the, what they were trying to do, because they all, ideal, uh, including Jair Bolsonaro, the last president, idealized the, uh, the military dictatorship that ruled from the 60s through 1985. And what they were hoping to do was to instigate a military response. The military would take over the government, and they would, then they would have the dictatorship back, and they could vote Jair Bolsonaro back in charge. But the military rolled in. They all clapped, and then the military arrested them all. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. And, funny how that works. Yeah. And South American governments are used to the only attempted coup attempts. So, like, they, they arrested them all on the spot, as opposed to our government, once everybody let everybody go home, and then gradually started cr- trying to round them up because they treated it like it wasn't a big deal. And I don't know if um, Jair is going to be um, extradited. He's here apparently on an A1 visa, which is for state leaders. He's had, he's in Orlando. Corey and I talked about it last week. He's staying in Orlando at the house of an MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. And he, in a bedroom, it's decorated with all Minions gear. <laughs> yeah. Like, he ate at a KFC. Uh, he got caught in video walking around a Publix. A shout out to Publix, great grocery store. And then he had to check into a hospital with the stomach ailment. I don't know if that's a KFC related or ongoing, but he's in, he's been in the hospital constantly for the past few years. He's had COVID at least three times that I know about. All were serious cases because he refused to get vaccinated. Um, the minions thing, I don't know mm. if it's purposeful or not, because the media, the left wing media in Brazil started calling his supporters Bolsa minions because mm. they wear... You know, Proud Boys in America, their gear is like black and yellow uh, uh, Sperry gear. 
Like yeah. that's their that's their uniform. The uniform for Bolsonaro supporters is basically a Brazilian soccer jersey. So they were they're they're dressed in all yellow with the green, like you pointed out before, and people call it a minions. But like it as they've I can't I don't know if they've adopted it like Trump supporters did the plurals. Right. So it I don't, seems like it surely has to be something. I mean, unless that MMA fighter is just super into minions, I guess. What a like wild and unpredictable cultural trajectory the minions have had. <laughs> you know what I mean? From, from those cutesy little kid movies. And they got in America for a while. It was like everybody's drunk aunt on Facebook was making memes with minions and stuff uh-huh. about drinking wine or whatever. But there's just a minion there for some reason. And now they're the face of the you know fascist right wing movement in Brazil, apparently. And it's just like, but the creators uh, didn't foresee any of that shit happening. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, my hope is that they ship Jair back to Brazil to let them have whatever they're saying just because he came here to flee prosecution. <laughs> and uh, uh, they, they, they I want to see at least one country, you know, punish leaders of a coup for a coup attempt. Um, uh, one last thing before we get to the show. Um, uh, so last week, Corey and I uh, talked about there was a weird right wing co- tampon company that's like saying they won't sell to trans people and me and court were joking about it and i made the point that trans uh trans women you know uh they're born men they don't menstruate and we were joking about it and a what a, a viewer reached out by him a feralicious happens to be a trans man the dude said made a good point he's like well it's actually us they're saying they won't sell to right right so like and he also made the point which was interesting that i hadn't thought about and he, he was very kind about it by the way in the way he was like correcting correcting me is the wrong word but he just raised this point but like that because the right's obsessed with trans women because they're the ones they see as the threats because you know they're the ones that are right. concerned about because because they see them as men and men right. are predators they're right. the ones that worry about going in the, the bathrooms and they're the ones who like they think it's unfair to compete in like the swim meets or whatever that they that trans uh trans men are sort of erased because they're not as <laughs> the focal point of the hate yeah the, the, the hatred and i was like oh shit I feel victim. I, I, I picture a trans person. I picture a trans woman because I've also become propagandized by the right wing hate machine. So anyway, I don't think it's points that I wish we were as focused on by the hate machine, <laughs> but it is interesting how this shit manifests itself. So anyway, shout out to Paralicious. Thanks for, thanks for reaching out. Yeah. Cause you know, like, cause any kind of, gay queer trans man or it would be a trans woman but you know what i'm saying the, mm-hmm. the point you're just making they uh like they're the ones that you know they're all groomers and pedophiles and stuff like they're the ones that they're worried about because like you said they're uh it's wild that a lot of men are acknowledging uh that men are dangerous but not <laughs> yeah but they're like not the good kind only the weird kind that's why that's why we're so worried about them you know the different yeah. kinds they are dangerous but when women talk about you know being afraid to walk to their car alone or whatever they're like ah that's overblown what are you doing right. outside anyway but um all right well let's get into it uh with us as always is producer matt this is Weekly Skews. Before we continue, I, of course, would like to remind you of a couple quick things. Number one, if you'd like to see me perform live, go to TreyCrowder.com. Get your tickets. I got a bunch of dates coming up in 2023, and I'm adding more all the time. I'll be here in L.A. on the 19th, and then after that, Atlanta and a big Florida run. So I'm getting deep in it at the end of this month. I'm looking forward to it, and a lot more after that. So, yeah, TreyCrowder.com. Get your tickets. Number two. 
If you enjoy this program and would like to show your support, you can do so by signing up on Patreon. $5 a month gets you access to full-length bonus episodes like the one we just did last week on the many lies of George Santos. We're enjoying it. We hope you'll consider going to weeklyskews.com slash more, or you can just go on Patreon and look me up. Either way works. Sign up on there. Get some more SKUs in your life and support the show in the process. Now, as for the show tonight, we've all long known that conservatives hate reading like most of the things they hate. They find it difficult and upsetting. But now (laughs) they're coming for the written word with a renewed focus as more and more highly coordinated attempts to ban books and in some cases entire libraries are gaining steam around this country. Happy New Year, y'all. We'll talk about that a little later. But first, as always, we begin with the Daily Dumbass. Matt, graphic, please. Tonight's DD, M&M's for being fat and gay, apparently. At least according to Tucker Carlson, I guess. <laughs> it, Woke M&M's have returned. The green M&M got her boots back, but apparently is now a lesbian, maybe. And there's also a plus-sized, obese, purple M&M. So we're going to cover that, of course, because that's what we do. Yes, it is what you do. Uh, so <laughs> this is the, that's a peanut M&M. Right. Well, it's also like all M&Ms are round. Like, that's the shape that they have. How are you supposed to tell when there's a fat M&M? Like, they're just they're rotund or oblong or whatever, some combination thereof. But yeah, like you said, that's just, you got the regular M&Ms. That's a peanut. Does that M&M look any different than the yellow one that they've always had? He's peanut, right? I, I, sometimes I can't figure out, like, like they literally had a screen grab. Like it was like M&Ms go woke was the title of the segment. The Mars candy company has not gone woke. It's also, they're always, they talk about M&Ms like three times a week. Because they were mad right. before when they got rid of the M&M, green M&M sexy boots. Now they're excited the boots are back but because she's sexy again, but also she's a lesbian, but they're mad about that. But, like, there's one thing straight men have always agreed on is that lesbians are sexy. So I don't really know what right. they're actually talking about. But, like, they fuck, they'd rather talk about anything with the actual news. Like, Jesus Christ, just don't buy the candy if you don't want it. But M&M's hit, so well, whatever. It's also like, I mean, as we've talked about over and over again, yeah, you said they'd rather talk about anything than the actual news, but it's also like they they uh, subsist on outrage and stuff, but they don't really have that many things to, like, genuinely be outraged about, so they're always having to come up with these new, you know, points of their wrath. And, you know, they're grasping at straws at this point with the woke candy, but it's not just the candy now. Uh, Batman's Rogue Gallery is uh, going woke as well, I guess. We got that tweet, Matt, about the joke. Oh, yeah, here we go. This is Fox News headline. Grotesque new Batman story features the Joker becoming pregnant and giving birth to a handsome baby. (laughs) Yeah, they did hours on this yesterday. And (laughs) the funny part about it is that... uh, the comic itself, the graphic novel or whatever you want to call it. Sorry if I'm insulting comic uh, graphic novel fans. Uh, I'm not one of you, but uh, go with God. The uh, So the Joker apparently gets cursed by like a witch or a warlock or something. And the, part of the curse is he becomes pre- pregnant and then gives birth to it. So it has nothing to do with like wolky ideology or trans stuff. It's just like, it's just a fucking comic book. And yeah. also, if there, is, if, there, if there is any sort of takeaway from it, it's a curse the Joker turns into a woman. So it was right. the opposite of the thing they're mad about. But anyway, I don't think that's what the point they were trying to make. I don't think they're trying to make any point other than to make a cool comic book. <laughs> but like, so the, if the Joker getting pregnant is woke, what was the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Junior? Because he right. gets pregnant in that, right? 
Yeah, call the governor woke. Why don't you? But was uh, it where are Papa's mad about that? Was that a thing? No, no. Well, it's like <laughs> also. I mean, I feel like you know I've brought it up a million times. The like we had drag shows when I was in high school or whatever, and also mm-hmm. like it used to be the height of comedy uh, for just for a dude to put a dress on. You know what I mean? Because that's how, mm-hmm. that's how uh, simple and dumb we all were. But yeah, you know, it's like that type of thing happened all the time, and no one ever felt threatened by it. And it's like at some point they found out that like there are actual trans people who exist and that's weird to them or whatever. <laughs> They're upset by that. And so now it's taken on this whole new uh, flavor of hateful distaste. My, uh, when I was home over the holidays, my aunt Kim, uh, she dug up a photo of my, uh, my grandfather, daddy bucks, what we called him. And he was uh, dressed in drag for a drag beauty pageant to raise money for the volunteer fire department. And right. honestly, one amazing legs. All right. Mm-hmm. And I posted a picture with a joke about it. And somebody shut the fuck up about drag stuff. because my grandfather doing it. And some guy dickhead responded to me like, Oh, well, did he identify as a woman when he did it though? And I didn't, I, I don't want to, I like getting an internet fight. So it didn't bother it. But it was like, well, I don't know, first of all, but it, either way, Mind your own fucking business. Right. Mind your fucking business. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, there's different types, of, you know, and I'm not going to get into breaking it all down because I would fuck something up too. But like, you know, there's different types of men who either identify or dress up as or some combination thereof or whatever of, you know, as a woman. You know what I'm saying? It's not like they, it's not like these people like, specify or get into the details when they say a du- see a dude in a dress anymore do you know what i mean it's just like uh-huh. it's just bad now like they don't mm-hmm. stop to ask him like what is the context in which you're doing this and also how do you identify personally i need to know before i can decide whether or not to hate you they just default right to uh hate and fear yeah and it didn't yeah, used to like, be like that i mean it's not my community but you know how like eskimos have a thousand words for snow like you, you would like, <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows this, but like rednecks and hillbillies are not the same thing and they kind of hate each other. Like Drew has a whole explanation of where like, rednecks have money and they have big trucks. Uh, rednecks were like descendants of people that like own people. Hillbillies are poor and live in the mountains and they, they're good at dancing and they hate the people with big trucks. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, if you're not in communities, this stuff seems imperceivable to you. But anyway, it's not like, just like, anyway, it's yeah, whatever. Just for the record, <laughs> Drew grew up further in East Tennessee and I always told him, we talked about it, like I grew up not that far to the West. I was on the Eastern part of Middle Tennessee, but and people in my hometown who were very poor and poverty stricken, all identified as rednecks rather than hillbillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it like differs depending on, you know, town to town and state to state and shit, what either of those words mean. Uh, yeah. And I'll use them interchangeably at this point for myself, I'm saying. And, you know, Drew can kiss my ass if he don't like it, Mark. How about that? So I don't know why I'm getting mad at Drew now. It's okay. But, but, let me uh, ask you this, Trey. Can you, can you, <laughs> clog, can you clog dance? <laughs> no, I cannot. Okay, redneck. <laughs> okay. Do you know how to clog? No. You're from... Appalachia, right? You're from uh, that part like two of hours from the foothills. Yeah, we're we're pretty okay. like yeah. Well, yeah. then you're about as close to it as I am, really, because mm-hmm. that's about how far I am too. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on. A first honorable mention: Large Brain Marge for thinking she could fuck with NWA. That's right. She's been um, cop- copyright stricken for a video she posted of herself just feeling herself and looking super cool and badass in her mind while walking through the halls of Congress. And the background music she chose for that 
was uh, still DRE by Dr. Dre, which is like, that's one of the hardest going beats of all time. But mm-hmm. I don't know who the fuck she thinks she is doing that. And then uh, and then it went on from there. Yeah, it was a couple things are funny about it. I wish we could show you the video, but we will get hit with a copy. Right, exactly. Out, yeah. out. And ours will be automatic. Dr. Dre actually requested to get taken out with her. But it's like it was funny because the, the, the caption she put on it was, you can't stop what's coming, meaning whatever her investigations of the Biden crime family or whatever. But under it, under you can't stop what's coming, was a blank thing saying it's been taken down, which is like, yeah, Dr. Dre stopped what's coming. <laughs> like he got stopped, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, then her response was funny. She got to, uh, he, Dr. Yeah. Dre put out a pretty, uh, you know, forceful letter about how her uh, she's a divisive and hateful person. He can't use, she can't use his music. And she was like, well, I would never use your lyrics. I just like the chord progression. Uh, but because your lyrics are so anti-police and misogynistic, it's like, man... These people spent the whole nine, uh, the whole decade of the nineties trying to make rap illegal. <laughs> now they want the coolness that comes from a cool fucking beat from two thousand one, right? Well, and it's also yeah. like it's like just trying to, I don't know, with a straight face, being like, just so you know, I fundamentally disagree with this awesome song that I just used for for my for you know my own promo video. Like, yeah, I used it, but I just want you to know, I think it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the beat yeah. goes. The core presents. Yeah, goes. right. Yeah. Which, that is undeniable for sure. But yeah, she's just, uh, she's something else, man. Yeah. And her journey is fascinating to me because like a year or two ago, it was like, why are you raising her profile? Why are you like, you know, why, why do you get, why is this that he gets so much airtime? Stop retweeting her. But she's pretty much made herself into the face of the party. And the right wing propaganda machine has completely rehabilitated her. Like, here's her going on Howie Kurtz on Fox News to talk about how, um, anyway, I'll, I'll, you, I'll, let, we'll, I'll let it play out. You can see. Yeah. And well, just, just to deal with one bit of history, the Democrats stripped you of your committee assignments after you right. were elected. That was raw politics. Mm-hmm. But in fairness, didn't you also say around that period that you had been a follower of QAnon conspiracy theories and you had rethought this and you were no longer uh, influenced by the group? Well, like a lot of people today, I had easily gotten sucked into some things I'd seen on the Internet, um, but that was dealt with quickly early on. I never campaigned on those things. That was not something I believed in. That's Mm -hmm. not what I ran for Congress on. So those are so far in the past. All right. Um, You tweeted, I guess. in Yeah. All right. So she's getting because she took McCarthy's side. Right. She's getting the uh, morning show rehabilitation to her treatment. While like Lauren Boebert's getting roasted to death, right? They're actively making her the face of the party. And she's saying, I didn't run on QAnon. Uh, to the degree that's true, which it, it isn't. She ran, her, the way she raised her profile was harassing AOC and Parkland shooting survivors on, on, on Facebook videos. All right. So the way she did make her name, even by her own story, is not good. So yeah. anyway, uh, I mean, this lady. N- not that I'm surprised by it, but it's just it's wild to me that they seem to be like really hitching their wagon to the Marge train. Do you know what I mean? Like because mm-hmm. oh, she did the right thing politically from their perspective. So now they're going to like prop her up. Like it just seems like that's something you might end up regretting considering every other thing about how she's always conducted herself. But then on the other hand, I guess it's like, you know, that's sort of just their whole brand now. I guess So why not? Look, they're, they're very well-coordinated and well-thought-out and very effective propaganda network. 
Um, but I don't like they're basically grooming her to be the Trump's vice presidential nominee. And I don't I think she's incredibly toxic to like 65 percent of Americans. Yeah. So uh, I don't think it's going to work, but uh, more power to you. Um, but while we're talking about Dre in other politics, hip hop news, um, his headline killed me. Rap God Bernie Sanders appears on a new hip hop album from Minnesota State Representative Maria Issa. <laughs> Uh, the candidate's name is Maria Issa. Uh, state rep's name is Maria Issa Perez Vega. Her rap name's Maria Issa, and so <laughs> he appears in like you know the opening track to her album, which is a little skit or whatever. And it's a, yeah. quote, a, a recording of Bernie telling her, "People respond to you a lot more than these ninety-year-old guys. Um, don't be afraid," he says. If somebody says something to you, young lady, young lady, this is not good decorum. Tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty gangster. Yeah. Pretty gangster Bernie. quote from old Bernie there. So I'd never heard of her and her music. I went and checked it out. And she got some stuff on YouTube. But again, her rap name is Maria Yusub and, and Maria Issa. And we can't uh, we can't play it again for copyright reasons. But I will say I did like her music. And the track I specifically recommend is called Coco. So uh, check that out if you want to hear some uh, decent Latin hip hop. Uh, it's certainly yeah. preferable to the uh, 10-year-old conservative Christian rapper uh, that I saw trending the other day. <laughs> yeah, I saw that kid. Uh, his dad's apparently a, a Christian right, right MAGA rapper. And it's yeah. like, yeah, he was rapping QAnon nonsense. And like, okay, who's the groomer here? Who's indoctrinating people? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah we're going to be talking. That's what we're going to be talking about a lot more later. Indoctrination and the idea of that and everything. And yeah, that's a good example to keep in mind as we start talking about the shit they're flipping out about <laughs> later. Uh, mm -hmm. But first, quickly, one last honorable mention for Daily Dumbass. Hitler for not realizing that really we're all Jewish on the inside or something yeah, like that. This you is George skip, Santos. You can skip like two thirds of the way through this video, Matt. I forgot to give it a timestamp. PSR. Yeah. Go down towards the end. Yeah, that's, that's probably okay. Right there. Yeah. All over again, they converted to Catholicism, had their kids raise them Catholic. Uh, and I, I'm Catholic, but that's pretty much little history of my, my family into Judaism, when, when, which I believe we're all Jewish at the end because Jesus Christ is Jewish. And yeah. if you believe in Jesus and we're all brothers in Christ, I mean, not, I don't want to get too religious here, but. All right. <laughs> so. Get too religious. This uh, is him for, from like a couple years ago appearing on a public access. So like this guy publicly said he was Catholic here then went back and said he was jewish later and assumed no one would find this uh but right i this guy is fascinating to me and it, it, we did a, a whole episode on santos and the patreon so i don't want to go but a small a couple small updates um this headlines from yesterday we were duped how george santos george santos raised money from wealthy gop donors while lying about his resume so the funny thing to me about this is that the real victims here are GOP donors, <laughs> but, but the mechanism for this is killed me. Um, his a, a staffer in his campaign impersonated Kevin McCar McCarthy's chief of staff to get donations. Uh, <laughs> it, it's so <laughs> wild. Like you said, we did a whole Patreon episode about this guy. And my, the thing I kept coming back to is what you just said a minute ago, just that idea behind like, he didn't think anybody would ever see or hear or find out about any of this. Like that's the craziest part, dude. In a position of that much scrutiny and everything, like you're going to get caught when you're this outrageous with your lying, you know, ask Herschel Walker about it. Uh, but mm -hmm. he started with a lower profile than Herschel Walker, but of course people are figuring it out now and it's just, it's wild, man. It's brazen. <laughs> yeah. Wealthy donors received calls and emails from a man who said he was Dan Meyer, McCarthy's chief of staff, 
during both Santos ran in 2020, he just lost, but they're both 20. So this, this, this ruse lasted two, two election cycles over two and a half years. Um, but the guy's name was actually Sam Meal, and he worked for Santos raising money. And so if he ends up in, in jail for defrauding Republican donors, that's going to be the funniest way to do it. It reminds me of like how like, um, pharma bro, uh, Martin Shkreli, yeah. how <laughs> raising a price of a children's cancer drug was not a crime, right? Killing kids wasn't, but what he ended up in prison for was defrauding investors on deals where he made them money because he invested in stuff that they, he wasn't be supposed to about, that he lied to them about. So like this is that that would be probably the funniest way for this to go about. But another thing that killed me about this guy so that the, the House passed uh, um, the new set of rules to govern the chamber, and we talked about how they're going to like gut the ethics committee and defund yeah. it uh, and, and cripple the uh, the uh, the office of congressional ethics ability to investigate members of Congress for potential wrongdoing. Quote, I think it's fantastic, Republican Rep. George Santos of New York said. <laughs> that whole thing is another good example of just like, again, how brazen this shit is. Like, it's just absolutely shameless to me, mm-hmm. you know, just openly. Yeah. First thing we got to do, we got to gut the Office of Congressional Ethics because, you know, otherwise, how are we going to do all this unethical shit? We're t- really, you know, it's smart. Like, it's the obvious solution. Right. It's going to be super unethical. You can't have an office of ethics walking around. So, yeah, we're going to blow that up and then get to work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just all public. Like, that. it's not like behind closed doors shit. They're just like, yeah, yeah that's what we're going to do. We talked about this before, but they're also uh, it, it, it passed the House passed legislation. It won't pass the Senate, of course, in order to, like, rescind IRS funding for next year. But so between the ethics, uh, uh, you know, Congressional Ethics Office and IRS, they're continually defunding their cops, baby. They uh, they love it. <laughs> yep. But that's not the only thing they're going after, as we referenced up top. Books, Mark, on the chopping block, or at least uh, a good number of them are. This is like the new, uh, and I'm not saying they're not still doing this too, but like how they seem to rally around going to school boards and fucking all that up, you know, for a while there. Yeah. yeah probably still doing it now. It's the library. The library is next on their list, evidently. Yeah. I want to, uh, just to frame this, um, this is a one of our stories about everything's collapsing. This is one of, this is a story about what a small motivated group of psychos can accomplish right. if other people don't get involved. So this is more of like, right. Hey, check out what's going on in your local library. Maybe go to a library board meeting and check out what's going on. All right, but this is a this is about. I'm gonna read this read from this headline: the horrifying world of libraries. Um, so, how do you feel about? I love libraries as a kid, man. My mom, like, when we went to town. My mom had errands to run, or she had to go and like work on an off day. She would drop us off at the library to like yeah. read books and hang out. Right, it was like a free daycare, which I know librarians oh. hate, but yeah. No, dude, the library was huge for me in my formative years. My first like job, it was a job, but it was super part time. But I was uh, a tutor in a program at the library. So every day after school, I'd go to the library and tutor younger kids. And uh, also in my hometown, like internet, you know, was not prevalent, especially any kind of remotely high speed internet. So like me and my, we'd go and get on the computers at the library all the time and play, you know, runescape and shit like that but like we were always at the library i had uh also had one of my first sexual experiences at the library that's too much information but uh yeah so the library was like that was my shit dude i love well the it's uh, it's funny you bring up the sexual experience thing because it's true for me too except i was alone uh so <laughs> <laughs> 
Because, like, the one of the things I like to do at the library, they had women's magazines there and had sex tips and stuff and, like, advice columns. I would read those, and I found them very interesting mm-hmm. uh, as part of my, you know, when I was, like, 11, 12, 13 years old, years old as part of my, you know, sexual awakening, as it were. But, like, it's weird when you talk about all this grooming and moral panic about, like, pornography at the library. It's like, I mean, I I turned out mostly fine, and I got boners in the libraries. So I don't know what I was, like, worried about. Now, dude, uh, we, between the computers and stuff, we used to all hang out at the library all the time. Me and my buddies would even, and librarians were cool with this, like, the sort of yard adjacent to the library. Like, we'd play, like, pick up football games out there and stuff like that. Like, we hung out and kicked it at the library all the time when I was in high school. Love yeah. It. I, I love the library. It's a, it's a play. It's, it's a it's a it's a socialist enterprise supported by it's, it's free education for all supported by tax dollars It's a place where the community can gather and hang out have events mill around kids can get educated for free so the right wing fucking hates it because mm-hmm. anything any, anything that binds society together is sort of bad unless it's a church right and even then well especially if it in, yeah especially if it even remotely involves the concept of like learning and expanding your horizons and discovering yeah. new things and shit like that they're definitely going to come after it when you got those factors in play yeah yeah so uh to get this off, so the, a new report came out recently um, about book banning efforts from a couple different. Uh, the reports came from a couple different organizations. One called Pan America, and another the American Library Association. But during last school year, twenty one twenty two, more than sixteen hundred book titles were banned, according to a new report, new report from Penn, and the American Library Association confirmed that number. Their number was a little bit higher. Um, the these are like random psychos filing a, a complaints, right? Right. And when you get pushback from like, hey, maybe this book's fine, you will get fucking death threats, which we're going to get into. One of the books they found that was most often banned uh, was The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, which I read in high school. Um, and it's about I'm going to come off the top of my head from the thing I read in high school, but I didn't find it traumatic. Right. But it's about a woman who's overcoming like sexual abuse and stuff who happens to be black and there's racism. And, but like if you can't read a book. And still maintain your worldview, then what fuck good is your worldview, right? <laughs> like, I mean, unless your worldview, like you know, needs to be <laughs> right. questioned or brought to task a little bit, which is again one of the things that books are great for. But it's like I know we're going to talk about a lot of this as as we continue to go through this. But yeah, you say you didn't find it traumatic. That's how they couch all this stuff. Is like these books are inappropriate for children because they'll find them uh, discomforting. They don't want to cause discomfort to the kids for these books. But it's like you know, for if you're a black kid or a queer kid or something, is there not anything inherently uh, uncomfortable about being effectively erased, you know, or not allowed to exist, never seeing your uh, experience represented? In fact, having it be almost illegal for your experience Mm -hmm. to be represented, like what kind of message does that send? And, you know, it's pretty obvious, but they only care about really one particular type of kid, you know? Yeah. And also, like, if you can't, uh, like, if you can't, if your if your mind can't, again, if like if if your if your mind can't stand reading a contrarian idea, <laughs> you know, like, I, I if I if I read, I've never read Mein Kampf, but I'm willing to bet reading it wouldn't turn me into a fucking Nazi. I have, right. I had to read this for, for a gig once. I had to read the Satanic Bible. I did not convert, you know. So like, I don't understand what these people are so worried about. But let me uh, read this right here. So while we think of book bans as the work of individual concerned citizens, our report demonstrates that today's wave of bans represent a coordinated campaign to banish books being waged by sophisticated ideological and well-resourced advocacy organizations. 
they said they, they, the group uh, Pan America has identified at least 50 groups working at, at all levels advocating for book bans. Uh, one of them, uh, which we've talked about before, is Moms for Liberty, which was started in 2021. Um, so let's talk about what these coordinated effects look like. Um, this is in Kansas. Kansas town threatens to kick out library after it refused to remove devices, divisive books. This is a, a small town uh, library supported by county funds, and they've essentially canceled the lease. And they're going to have to move to a different small town in the same region. And this quote like was heartbreaking to me. Here's from uh, a St. Mary's resident. This is the town the library is in. Hannah Stockman, a stay-at-home mom looking after 13 kids. It is not clear whether all 13 kids are hers or not, where she runs a little daycare. But she said the move would be devastating for her and others like her. At this point, it's the only space left we have for the public. Um, the book they're worried about, it's called Melissa. That's, they're showing the whole library over one book. It's, it happens to be about a transgender child. Um, but the library director said that book, they, they put it on the shelves because it was up for a, an award in 2017, 2018. Uh, it's only been checked out four times since they've had right. it in the past four years. They defunded an entire town, county's library, and kicked it out of its space because of a book, of a book that got checked out four fucking times. Right. It's like the laws about like trans high school athletes and stuff like that. When in some like I think it was Utah, there's like literally one in the whole state. And I bet you some of the states that are enacting those laws don't even have any actually, you know, playing those sports or, you know, doing the Mm -hmm. thing that they're so worried about. So this is very uh, in keeping with that. But I will say this also is a theme in these stories we'll be talking about. But like uh, props and respect to these uh, various librarians and library staff, because the thing is, the reason this shit is happening is because they're saying, no, fuck that. We're not doing that. Like they get told to remove a book and they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And then they, you know, get threatened with having their lease pulled or their funding uh, stricken or whatever. And they're, you know, they've been holding their ground. So I just want to give them a shout out because. Oh, it's great. not just they're losing their jobs. Like they're getting like death threats. I'm honestly right. surprised one has been murdered. There might, there might have been a shooting I don't know about, but the, that, I, that I didn't see in the news or whatever. But this library in Louisiana uh, stood up at a meeting, and they were they were they were uh, uh, they, Matt's blown up. I'll get to that in a second. But before we get to this Michigan story, um, the, this Louisiana woman librarians they were talking about banning books, and she stood up and made the point that like I think banning books is the wrong move. It's not a good sign for society. She apparently went viral on right wing internet and got na- nationwide death threats. And now she's scared to leave her house and her hair started falling out from all the stress. All right. This is what they're fucking dealing with. Um, that the story Matt pulled up from Michigan, a library in Patmos, a, a town called Patmos, closed early over safety concerns. They didn't detail what the safety concerns were, but they shut down the library. They were so concerned because of uh, a collect, uh, of LBGT uh, books, uh, books about those issues in the library. The library counted and said that only 90 of its 67,000 titles even were covered by what stuff people were trying to ban. So 0.13% of the library's book offering. So a book that got checked out four times got a library shut down in Kansas and 0.13% of a library's book offerings got, you know, death and bomb threats uh, uh, towards this Michigan library got shut down. Um, Yeah. Well, they'll, you know, they'll like, I mean, this is them sending message loud and clear. They'll gladly just get rid of all the books as long as that means that, you know, they simply get rid of the 0.13% of the books that they're actually worried about right now. I mean, isn't surprising, but is very alarming. And it's also, it's like, this is another one of those things where it's like I said, just 
how brazen and bald this stuff is, these moves they make, I bring it up all the time where it's like, I don't understand how you fail to realize that you're the bad guy <laughs> with some of the stuff that they do, well, especially like book banning, you know, book burning and everything. It's like the rise of fascism 101 and everybody knows it. One of the most uh, famous sci-fi, you know, allegory, I don't know, allegory ain't the right word, I guess, or maybe it is. I don't know. You know what I mean? pieces of science fiction social commentary ever made was about this exact thing uh fahrenheit 451 by ray bradbury and mm. um it's like it's chapter one yeah. of the shit the you know si chapter one of the book on alarming signs from a society you know like um bad <laughs> harbingers of the future for a society is when you start banning and burning books and shit we, these people are so uptight. I wonder if we could trick them into burning the Bibles by by convincing them that when Jesus washed the prostitute's feet, it was his kink. Um, well, you remember that guy? There was that one teacher in Florida, which shout out to that guy, too, when they had their new law about divisive books or whatever. He, like, submitted a complaint or however you go about it, saying that the Bible should be included because it's very graphic in nature and very violent and all this stuff. And he like had actual excerpts of which there were many uh -huh. that illustrated his point because I mean, yeah, you know, why yeah. not? They, they don't actually read the Bible, which is we're going to come back to in a second. But, but, I, but I want you to everybody keep that thought in your head before we get to it. So uh, before we get to that over in Texas, my old stomp of grounds, uh, there's a House committee investigating books in libraries, which is sad enough. But this um, this story uh, was really funny to me because there's this uh, a town called Granbury, like a really right wing uh, school board. And the superintendent called all the teachers and librarians together and told them they better get on board. And if you have a different political ideology, you better not voice it. So that's cool. Um, and the the school board formed like a, a parents committee. Um a volunteer review committee uh, after they removed 130 books, which they thought were too gay or whatever um, to, to, for review. And the volunteer committee looked at the books. These are conservative moms in Granbury, Texas, right? They probably got, they probably got on the church committees and whatever. And they looked at all the books. They said, ah, they're fine. They'll let both the books go back on the shelf to which a couple of disgruntled members of the committee fought a police report, trying to get librarians arrested for giving pornography to kids. <laughs> So what the fuck? If your other church moms right. don't agree there's anything wrong with these books, maybe shut the fuck up and consider whether you're wrong. Well, um, it's like you were saying earlier. It's like the, it shows like what a very motivated small group of lunatics can accomplish depending on where their focus lies. Because it is right. it's the same thing as like with the school boards and stuff. There's not as much scrutiny. It's like a an easier target for them seemingly, like you said, if if people don't push back. And yeah, that's what they're doing with the libraries and the books now. Yeah. This library in Massachusetts, uh, Dedham, Massachusetts, got threatened with defunding uh, because some psycho noticed they hadn't put up a Christmas tree yet. So they thought it was like intentionally or whatever. So then they put up a Christmas tree and they're like, OK, well, you can have your funny now. And that, that's fucking nuts. They just they just, they just weren't going to put up a tree because they're closed on Christmas. Or hell, they don't <laughs> even know they could have like. They have no idea that the librarian maybe had a lot of other shit to do that week or whatever. Like they got, they got busy. It slipped their mind. They just didn't get around to it. Who gives a shit? But yeah. And then it gets uh, cast as being part of the war on Christmas, but it's wild to like, just sort of not get around to putting up a Christmas tree and then get like uh, effectively get death threats or whatever for yeah. trying to cancel Christmas. Like it's a, it's a wild place. We're all in.
there's like it, it's not just like random psychos too. It's like governments. Like first example here, um, this town in McFarland, California, which is a small rural like like agricultural area. Uh, the police the police chief has decided to close the library so he can use the library for his new police station, which is like I'm gonna quote here from a piece where I read about it. Uh, it's such a startling, crushing metaphor for what our society values that you can't even look directly at it. Yeah, um, man. Again, it's this little rural area. Um, these are full of low wage immigrants where like a lot of their reading materials and educational opportunities come from the library and this local pastor. Um, and, uh, we're talking about, we're talking about like right wing Christian psychos a lot here. So I do want to shout out this guy. He's a pastor and the kind of Christian I'd want to hang out with. Um, he's on the, he's the leader of the friends of McFarland library. He told the New York times, I view this as a battle for civilization. And absolutely, man, what's the point of, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. What's what's the point of being like this? But it's not just small towns. Um, last week, there was a report that a couple of weeks ago, New York City's public libraries are up against a possible multi-billion-dollar budget cut. A multi-billion-dollar budget cut in New York, while they're increasing police funding at an insane rate, while New York remains an extremely safe city. Yeah, I, I mean, you said earlier, uh, you know, you call it, it's like a socialist enterprise. Like, I'm honestly. Part of me is kind of surprised they haven't uh, come for libraries uh, before now already, yeah. just because, I mean, it's one of those things that, like, if libraries didn't exist and they got pitched today, you know, oh, my God, the outrage and pushback from the right wing would be mm-hmm. incredible. But uh, I guess libraries have been served up until now by being one of those places that almost no one doesn't like or almost nobody hates, at least, but they're finding a way. Yeah. So it, librarians do kick an amazing amount of ass. We can talk about that more in a second, but they, and so do teachers. But it's sometimes the call is coming from inside the house. And uh, I read this story of this Florida English teacher who is uh, trying to ban books from the library. And it's not even really the worst thing about her because she's also horrifically racist. Um, she's posted Confederate flags to her Facebook page. Um, she said that, quote, everyone in my clan fought in the Civil War, and she's not ashamed of that, which, you know, I'm sure some of my ancestors did. And I am ashamed of it. So we can just show you <laughs> that out there. Yeah. Um, uh, she has openly told her students that she's against interracial marriage. She asked yeah. all of her, uh, she uh, re- apparently asked every one of her black students if they can swim. Um, and her, her anti uh, interracial marriage views, going back to the thing about, they don't actually read the Bible. When somebody asked why she was against interracial marriage, she said that in the Bible somewhere in the Bible somewhere, Trey, it says that it's a sin for racists to mix together somewhere. She doesn't know where it is. She sort of heard about it. She hasn't read the fucking thing, right? But they, she's... they also had a quote from this lady where it was a book she took issue with that featured like a gay kid or no, it was it was it was two male penguins. It's a kid's book with two male penguins who adopt a little penguin chick, penguin baby, you know, and raise it as a happy little family. And she said it was like you know using penguins to push the gay agenda or whatever. But she goes on to say something like, I don't remember verbatim, but it was something like, you know, a young child could read that and then know that there's, you know, people like that out there or something to that effect, you know? And it's like, yeah, that's, but like, it's literally, it's just saying the quiet part out loud. You know what I mean? It's like, they just don't want them to know. It's like, they'll be, made uncomfortable just by learning that these uh, other types of people exist or that shitty types of people, i.e. racist, have also existed. And it's like, how long is that supposed to go on for? Do you know what I mean? Like, as yeah. a parent, we were talking about kids, like, are they ever going to be all right with them knowing that 
things exist in the world? <laughs> is there a certain cutoff where it's okay to be aware of other things existing or are they just, you know, go on forever? Yeah. Cause they try to ignore that that shit exists all throughout their adulthood. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I, there isn't. Uh, yeah. They did. They, right. Wingers all over the world. hate libraries. We'll get to Ukraine in a second. Cause it's an important part of this about librarians being badasses. Um, but the good news here, again, we're talking about a small band of psychos because the good news here is polls show that the majority of people support libraries and oppose book bans. Um, so the, th the thing is just like, look up what's happening at your local library is my main takeaway. But let's talk about uh, librarians being kick-ass uh, people for the majority of them. Uh, so earlier this year, um, librarians in Ukraine, uh, if you follow library news closely, which you probably don't because the war, there's a lot of stuff going on that war. But they became uh, global symbols of cultural preservation in the face of militarism, fascism, and genocide. Because, like, libraries are keepers of knowledge, but also, like, keepers of history and yeah. archives and stuff. That's sort of like when, when, a society, when a society decides to start writing down stuff so future generations can learn from it, that's a cultural statement of value about how learning is important, right? Like, I know anthropologists chase the trace of the civilizations to when they find people with healed broken bones because they meant people could care for each other but also having written language and writing down stuff so people can learn is like that's that's an important part of like human development and yeah dude i would argue it's like the most important yeah. part of human development or, or close to it you know what i mean the yeah. fucking written word that shit changed everything yeah, so one of the things Russia did when they invaded Ukraine, a part, key part of its strategy was to destroy historic libraries uh, because part of Putin's whole argument for the war is that Ukraine isn't real and Ukrainians don't exist. They're just a subset of Russians. So any book on Ukrainian history is a direct like provocation to him, right? So they were bombing and smashing libraries, and libraries went into action. They knew that shit was going to happen, so they were running around trying to save as much of their archives and books as they could. They also established mobile libraries, uh, where they were delivering books for people to read in bomb shelters. Um, they, one of the things Putin was also trying to remove was books about like Soviet, you know, horrors. <laughs> they trying to erase fucking history. So when they want to take a book about slavery or racism, out of Iraq, right? Think right. of it in those terms here. Exactly. The, the, it's the exact the, same thing. Same, yeah, same thing Putin's doing in Russia. Um, so this quote: um, they destroyed a bunch of libraries. I'm trying to find. The, uh, they destroyed the state. Archives in Chernihiv. I'm going to butcher these things. They ransacked the archives in Buka. They looted every cultural institution they conquered. They gutted the archival department in Ivankiv. Um, that this quote from a, from a Ukrainian librarian who was delivering one of the people delivering books to people in shelters about it's about how libraries aren't a place; they're a spirit of knowledge. He said the libraries follow their readers everywhere. So in Kharkiv, which is very often bombed, a lot of people live in the metro. Talking about being in the, the, the subway. Um, the library isn't a building. The library is a community. So if you want to know why they want to destroy libraries, see the library is not a building. It's a community. There you go. There it is. All right. Well, let's uh, get into some questions and comments here, Matt. What do you think? How do you feel about that? I know you're not going to respond. I don't know why I'm acting like I expect you to. We all know that producer Matt is the silent uh, observer and facilitator. Yeah. A man of mystery. Well, Matt's looking for uh, uh, comments. I want to shout out the Biden administration for something good. They're trying to go to, go to bat um, to destroy compete clauses, which are horrific abuse. Have you ever been forced to sign one, Trey? Uh, we like with shows, like you, like mm -hmm. a, a geographical radius type of thing. Would that count for what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they don't hit. They're they're Mm-mm. they. To my mind, under capitalism, it should be illegal restraint trade because if you can sell your product anywhere, why can't I sell my product everywhere? It's my, my labor, right? right? So I was reading anecdotes about horrific stories about nerd get another job at a hospital instead of drive two and a half hours outside of state work. Shit like that. I also have personal oh, anecdotes like my my wife, a company I've worked for, she she as a teaching fitness classes as a, as a side job because she likes helping people. You don't get that feeling from a lot of showbiz stuff. And she likes being able to work out for free and being paid to work out. And, uh, she, they try to hit her with a non-compete because they've paid for her training, but she goes, no, I paid for my own training. Fuck you. They're like, Oh, well still, please don't work anywhere else. Like, Nope, sorry. It's like, but my, my friend's wife, she was also trying to teach fitness classes in a small town and they tried to get her to sign a non-complete non-compete agreement for a $25 an hour job. And right. it's like, who the fuck told you you could do this? That no right. one can compete with you. If I want to start my own dance studio, right? you can't compete. I mean, the fuck spirit of competition is like the whole thing, isn't it? <laughs> with right. That, like the right. fundamental foundational principle upon which the whole system yeah. is built is the importance anyway, of uh, competition. Um, I imagine, or, 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 yeah, hit the like and subscribe button. Thank you, Michelle. Sorry, I know you're trying to get that out there and I keep interrupting you because I'm passionate about this shit, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't workers play their fucking trade? I imagine the Supreme Court will strike it down and say that Biden, because they, they're gearing up for a big legal fight. But people should, workers should be able to move. I understand if, if, a, if a corporation pays training, okay, then they have to pay you back for my training if I move to another job. But you don't get to own me as a worker, because there's a word for that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. Like, hit the like button, everybody. Subscribe, share, rate, review. All that good internet stuff would be helpful um, if you would. And let's see here for Shay Reeves says, I work in a high school library. The job gets harder every day, but I still love it. Yes. Yeah, good for you. My sons are avid readers. Love the library. Yeah. Um, thank, yeah thank it's just you, one Shay. of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Judy Kidder Browning says, can you compare and contrast Biden's quote secret documents with Voldemorange's stash <laughs> at Mar-a-Lago? I hadn't heard Voldemorange before. Uh, so yeah, so, uh, the Biden's vice presidential library or whatever discovered they had a couple of top secret documents and voluntarily gave them back. And there's going to be an investigation into how they got there or whatever, which is fine, whatever. But yesterday, cable news and CNN was worse than Fox for whatever reason. Went all in on this, like it's the biggest. They, they do this thing where they don't actually report the news; they skip straight to like analysis pieces about the how the politics are going to play. And right. it's like, can you just say what happened first before you skip straight to how this is awful news for Biden because of how it's going to play when you're the one doing the playing? Right. So like it. So having a couple that you accidentally took and voluntarily turning them back over is different from taking stuff on purpose and refusing to give it back even when it's been subpoenaed. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not the it. <laughs> it's not the having the documents, it's the refusing to turn it over. The, the the National Archives and the FBI didn't raid Trump's compound until negotiating trying to get their shit back for fucking over a year, a year and a half or whatever. The two things are not remotely the same. And but we're hitting this is Hillary's emails all over again. We're at no context or specificity. And this isn't a defense of Hillary Clinton. It's more of like that, that was an in the weeds thing about email protocols and how email was used in 2008, who Hillary's husband was, what his job was, why he had a private email server, why she didn't want to carry around two cell phones, yada, yada, yada. It's all inane bullshit. 
and it's everything they want to talk about instead of stuff that's actually happening that matters. I don't care that Trump had the documents. I don't care. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, anytime the both sides argument gets brought up, that's often the way it goes, in my opinion. It's like they don't seem entirely equitable to me. Sandy Trunks, I guess they've been on the beach, am I right? Says CNN is leaning way to the right to get more of Fox's viewers. Yeah, they got they got a new corporate leadership essentially announced they were going to do that. And it's probably a yeah. smart business decision because most cable news viewers are old as shit. And it, they, they're probably lean right wing. So if you want to try to grab them to survive as a viable business enterprise, it's probably the right move. But it's really sad for a society that news is a profit-based business that's spun as entertainment. Right. Um, well, yeah, when it, it, the shift to it being yeah. entertainment, as uh, you alluded to earlier, with like you said, they don't even really report the news. They just skip straight to the take part, the fallout, the drama and all that. And that whole dynamic is the worst fucking thing that ever happened to the American media landscape. Yeah. Um, and enemy and them. An enemy anemone. Is every back. week you can't say it. Every week you can't every say week, it. Every week. I'll get it right one of these weeks. Says CNN now seems to think that it is a good business strategy to get worse than Fox, though that seems like a crowded field right now to try to break into. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, Aaron Chris, Duncan, Chris Licks something, we- yeah. something weird is happening with CNN since Chris Licht took over. Yeah. I'm just wondering why, like, it- Look, I used to work in news, and I always thought it was funny that like right wingers thought that like like I would get emails accusing me accusing me of being part of left wing media, and I'm like I'm like a night cops reporter in a in a like satellite bureau in Arlington, Texas, and like there's no meeting, like no one told me what to write or what to do. Of course, there's editorial oversight, and they would direct, they would tell you like, hey, I think this story is important, but like the idea that like Anderson Cooper and Jake Tapper are taking orders to spend their coverage, it's, it's completely against my mind the spirit of led people to get into journalism would be, I don't know how this shit works over there, but like every journalist I ever worked with, would be like, fuck you. I quit because you don't, you don't end up being a reporter. Of course they're not reporters. They're high level TV personalities. It's different, but you don't end up right. in journalism because you love authority. So I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, high, they're high level personalities and stuff. There's a whole lot of money at play and that shit changes everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were fucking working the bait for a paper. You know, mm-hmm. that's that Make real it, shit. Making twenty four thousand uh, dollars a year was not enough money to lie about. <laughs> Linda Zen says, "I'm old as shit, and so are my friends who are also old as shit, and we're left laners." There you go, Mark. Hey, you ought to known that was coming. Now, we. Uh, I'm not. We, I'm not we, saying we that, that all, all. I'm not saying that all Sorry, old people are bad. That's not what I'm saying. We're never saying that. I'm saying some old people lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, so listen, uh, as a reminder, go to TreyCrowder.com and check out my dates and my tickets and stuff. Damn, Matt, once again, I got to get you a new graphic. That's all right. We'll get it. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun shit coming up. Adding more shows all the time. I hope y'all will come and see me in 2023. And also, if you like this program and you want to support us and get more of us in your life and who wouldn't, Go to weeklyskews.com slash more, or you can go on Patreon and look me up. And $5 a month, you get full-length bonus episodes. We have fun with it. And, uh, yeah, like, subscribe, rate, and review. I'm glad to be back. Thank you all for sticking with us through the little uh, tumultuous holiday season that we typically have every year. Should be back on track now, and uh, we'll see you each and every Skews Day. So, yeah. And shout out to elderly left-wingers. We love you. Old hippies rule. Old hippies rule.
Bye.